Happy Halloween! We have a really scary podcast for you. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian. Welcome to our podcast of Halloween, October the 31st, 2013. We're not going to have any trick-or-treaters come to the farm, never do. So I guess this is our chance to uh, be silly and have some fun with Halloween. That's right. Yes, I've been wearing my Halloween t-shirt today, so that's something. So we thought uh, we would talk some about this holiday that's dedicated to things that are scary and talk about what scares us. And maybe we should begin with a couple of things that don't really scare us. Well, boogeymen and ghosts and goblins and I guess because I don't believe in those things really so I'm a skeptic I know I know but I'm not scared of that I can watch those old Frankenstein movies and the mummy and it doesn't scare me at all and we live in a region of the country that has a many of whom have a very simple faith that includes a lot of fear of Satan which we do not share I do fear evil, but that's a different thing. Yeah. And I guess the the one that is hot these days is international terrorism. Uh, Our nation spends a great deal of time and money worrying about terrorism, uh, we think, far out of proportion to the actual threat. Well, and, and despite what you think about that, and I don't want us to get into any kind of political discussion at all, except to say that... To sit around and worry about it and be scared of it probably doesn't do any good anyway. So um, I think just to be cautious as obviously our nations, you know, we are being through the TSA and other agencies, and that's all we can do. You do what you do and you go on with your life. So let's talk about what does scare us. Okay, one thing that really scares me right at the top of my list is climate change. Um, Regardless, again, of how you think it is how it got here or how it's going to happen or uh, all we have to do is look around and see the effects of the wacky weather that we have and and uh, many old timers who say I've never seen it like this before so uh, you know who knows what the future will bring I've just gotten inve- infested with kudzu bugs for the first time here we are as guinea pigs in a gigantic global experiment and nobody I mean, nobody knows how this is going to develop, what it's going to mean for our lives. It is a scary prospect. And I'm not saying kudzu bugs are because of climate change. Don't get me wrong. I guess hand in hand with climate change um, is the the fear of non-native species invading. Yeah, you you can't say for sure that that our outbreak of kudzu bugs is due to climate change. It probably is due more likely to uh, global trade, where we've shipped a lot of products and people and um, animals from one side of the world to the other, and 
they take pests with them. So pests that don't have natural predators, and and um, you know, everybody, we could give kudzu itself, the plant, as an example of an invasive species that quite liked its new home and got comfortable, and it, it's hard to get rid of. So yeah, one of my fears is that the natural order that was set in motion, including climate that is not affected by carbon and animals and plants that have, there's a balance, there's a checks and balances system in nature. Those things may be going out the window. And I think that is one of my fears. Another thing that you and I fear very deeply is widespread ignorance. There is a an increase in ignorance, I believe, in our culture, and we have begun to take pride in our ignorance. We are disdainful of those who would take the time to become well-informed about an issue, and that is scary. And it's more and more difficult to become well-informed on an issue without in a to find an unbiased source of information not that there's ever been any such thing as a completely unbiased source of information but something you and I've talked about before is that if you're on one side politically you get your news from one source and if you're on the other side politically you get your news from another source so we can't really seem to agree on yeah. a source we don't just disagree about opinions we have completely different sets of facts now yeah so and having taught on the university level for 30 years and, and having been someone who was proud of the fact that I um, entreat, entreated my students to um, check their sources and document their sources and um, check the background, you know, credibility of sources, I see that going out the window in our culture, and it is frightening. And along with that widespread ignorance comes the very real prospect of a demagogue rising to take advantage of and prey upon the ignorance of the, the population um, and take away our freedoms in the process. Um, we have talked much about our freedom in the United States and no one has done more to compromise our freedoms than we. So yeah. um, it's, um, and the prospect of someone rising to give voice to that ignorance and to prey on people's fears um, is alarming. Right. That's, um, there, there are plenty of examples in history of dem demagogues gaining a foothold because they play to the masses, you know, to the uneducated masses. And again, without getting into a political or even a, what I like to do is historical biographical types of um, research and that kind of thing. But the, And we could go on and on, but that's happened in the past. And the fact if we don't really get our edu educational system in order, it could very likely happen again. I'm going to save the one about outliving because I think it may go well with the last one and talk about a breakdown of law and order. Right now, you and I take it for granted that we can leave our gate open if we want to. Um, 
we can be rather relaxed about leaving cars unlocked in town. Nobody is likely to bother what's there. But I don't know that we can take that for granted forever. There may come a time when we will all need to be much more fearful and will need to be on our guard to a greater extent. And that's uh, troublesome. And again, if you wonder, well, is that an unfounded fear or where does that come from? Look at what happens in times of crisis. Post-Katrina, post uh, you fill in the blank with whatever And when people tragedy get hungry, yes. they do desperate things. The old desperate times call for desperate measures idea that, um, and, and who's to say how any of us were, would react if we're desperate. But for sure, we do have, um, or at least for a long time, we have had a system in place in our country whereby we feel protected. We, we feel confidence in the law enforcement officials and uh, those who would protect us from bands of marauders. But again, if we you know, don't have, if the, the grid goes down, the internet goes down, who knows? So that probably takes us to the next thing that you had mentioned to me. <laughs> if the internet goes down, right. <laughs> well, and you know, your first impulse when you talk about that is to say, oh, that's so silly. You know, the internet's, how important is the internet? Well, to us, the internet is life itself. It is. And, and I put it in the same category with that, my smartphone, because the phone not only allows me to access the inter internet, but also to keep in touch with friends, relatives, our children who are far away. Um, it's just, you know, almost like the old next best thing to being there uh, that the phone company yeah. used to talk about. But um, And our friends poo-poo that concern because they assume the Internet will be the last thing to go. Um, but I fear they are underestimating the extent to which the Internet depends on 24-7 servers, and not just a 24-7 servers, but bristling phalanxes of 24-7 servers. And when you get to a point where you can't depend on the electrical grid to be in place all the time and always on, then the Internet becomes far less reliable. And, you know, since we do so much talking about horticultural practices on this, these podcasts and, you know, even um, agricultural practices for that matter and pond management, we get a lot of our information since we, we started out as newbies on this subject. We get a lot of information from the internet. Um, and if I were, and if I'm out in the garden and I'm, I think, oh, this seed packet doesn't tell me how deep to plant this seed. And I can't remember. I just pick up my phone log in and look on Safari and Google it and I can find out right then. So it's, but it's not just that that sounds like, oh, well, what a, that's a little inconvenience for you. Then why don't you carry a sheet of paper around with you? Um, the fact of the matter is, where did I get that sheet of paper? I downloaded it from the internet, which, you know. And you didn't know when you went out there that you would have a question about how deep to plant that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I understand that. And, and a lot of, since we are such uh, big promoters of the Alabama Cooperative Ex Extension System, and we know that they have quality publications um, that, you know, research-based, it's good information. I'm always confident, again, I can go online and access their latest publication and be up to date. If I didn't have the Internet, that would be difficult. 
partially in anticipation of a potential disruption. As you know, I have become licensed as a ham radio operator. But I can tell you that amateur radio is a faint, faint, faint substitution for the richness of communication available to us on the Internet. Well, let's talk about a couple that are a little more personal. You and I are somewhat concerned about outliving our money. We have a limited supply of money, and we are spending money a little faster than we thought we would, frankly. So we're a little nervous about that. And then you just mentioned today that you're a little ner- nervous about our outliving our well, friends. Well, we, we talked some in getting ready for this about things we're fearful of now. And I said, you know, there's some things that actually I used to be fearful about and I'm not anymore. And one of those was, if you don't mind my throwing that in here, I used to be fearful when my children were little that, oh, of their leaving home. I was fearful of even their going away to college. And I think any parent of a toddler or a young child would feel that way, probably. But, of course, the time in your life comes that that's an appropriate thing for them to do. Um, and so, yes, I miss them. And But fearing that is not exactly the right word. It's accepting that as a part of life and still wanting to see them whenever I can. Another thing that I used to be fearful of was that, you know, I might not be around to see this and that. I might not still be on this earth when... X happens. I did make it to the millennium. That was good. (laughs) Um, But, you know, the point is now we've had so many of our friends who've passed away. I mean, just with All Saints coming up tomorrow, um, we think about those we've lost particularly in the past year and saying, you know, there's a very real possibility I'm going to outlive a lot more of my friends and miss them more. So I know that sounds like a crazy thing to be fearful about, but, and we were joking, I said, but the other fear is that I won't outlive them. (laughs) You know, I have the normal, I think, human tendency to say, yeah, I still want to be around 50 years from now. Um, So it's just a, it's a a double-edged sword, but it's something that makes me apprehensive. So we've told you the things that make us fearful. Let's talk about what gives us comfort or what reassures us. One of the things that gives us comfort, that makes us somewhat cheerful, optimistic (laughs) about the future, is that people are basically good. The human beings with whom we have come in contact throughout our lives have been, by and large, good people. And And, and we expect that in the future. And after we talk so much about bands of marauders and all, we've also seen in the wake of crises like Katrina and... Um, other hurricanes, other natural disasters, um, after 9-11, we've seen a lot of people come together, and we've seen a lot of support. I'm very proud of my own countrymen for some of the human, you know, human aid that they send to assist in Haiti and, you know, around the world when there's a, uh, a crisis of some kind. So we do have faith in human nature, and that certainly any, um, problematic behavior, it probably will be the exception and not the rule. And neighbors do pitch in and help neighbors when things get difficult. And we fully expect we will be part of that. We will be one of those helpers, one of those neighbors who helps our neighbors when difficult things come. That's and, right. um, and we expect the same kind of support. Um, we are making every contribution we know how to the gift economy so that 
we've developed those rich relationships that are resilient over time. And we think that's appropriate, and we think it will serve us well in the future. And being willing to give somebody something, I would do it anyway, but certainly knowing that if I were in need, they would help me out too. So it's it's really um, uplifting to see those kinds of uh, relationships and that relationships in action. Of course, we are get, becoming more and more self-reliant, more self-reliant than we were four years ago. So that gives us hope and reassurance as well. I look at my vegetable garden and I say, you know, we're not going to starve. And I look at the we're gonna, orchard, we're not we're going to We're doing a better job of raising food that we can enjoy here. We're doing a better job of taking care of ourselves in terms of creature comforts and learning what we do and don't need to do to conserve our resources. So, yeah, I think we are. I don't want to don't ever want to oversell that. It's not like we can survive with a, a shotgun and a box of shells no. and, a, and a bunch of cans of soup. But we are becoming more self-reliant so that we can take care of more and more of our own needs. And as we've said on some of our previous podcasts, it's not that we think we'll ever be to the point we don't need some other even nutrition from outside what we can produce. Um, it does mean, however, that we can find ways to become more self-sufficient and between that and the gift economy, survive. And finally, you and I both have a deep and abiding faith in God, and we think that will serve us well. Yeah, and, you know, we know that we're all, everything on this earth is his creature. He loves us all, so, you know, we're going we're gonna to make it. But I think the question is, how are we going to make it? And will we encounter some of these um, items on the list that we said we feared on the way to making it? Um, and it's just the fear of the unknown that people have. But I've also learned to sort of give it to God more than I used to be able to and just tell myself worrying doesn't help, so I'll pray about it. And beyond that, then we get out and we get up and do something about it the next day as much as we can. So enjoy this Halloween and enjoy the All Saints Day that follows it tomorrow. We hope that you and yours have a wonderful holiday and that you have opportunity to be grateful for your blessings as we are. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.